Amen. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we say, let faith arise today. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. What if... What if you had way more than you knew? What if the power of God at work in you could do everything and you need nothing else to be added after the fact? I mean, that's the reality. And Paul prays and said, if you only knew what is already at work inside of you, if you only knew. And so uh, this morning... We're going to lean into the kingdom of God. So many things I'd love to share. I just got back from Guatemala. Who loves Guatemala here? Anybody love Guatemala? Yeah, our Guatemalan missionaries do, but Matt, you don't seem very excited about Guatemala today. (laughs) So many amazing things happening in so many countries, so many places in the world. But you know what? God's eyes are on Spruce Grove today. And I hear that last week, you guys were remembering by reading some of the old prophetic words that God has given to this region. And, uh, and I am anticipating, expecting, and I believe that every single one of those words is going to be fulfilled. And God is waiting for us to rise up in obedience and in faith into those promises. And so today, today, I, I want to encourage you one thing here. Don't wait. But there is a moment that we're in right now. There's a moment that we can experience right now that might be higher than anything you've ever touched in your life. I mean, if God, if the presence of God is beyond imagination and God is waiting not for him to decide to come down, but he's waiting for you to come up. This could be your moment. This could be the single greatest moment of breakthrough for your life that you've ever had. This could be it. We got to leave behind the idea that we're waiting for God to come and visit us because he's waiting for you to draw near. This is the variable that's missing right today. Not is God willing, but are you willing? So every moment is a potential miracle for you. Could this be your moment? Can we leave behind what's going to happen two hours from now or tomorrow or the next week or what happened an hour ago or two hours ago or yesterday or last week and in this moment decide, God, I want you more than anything else right now. This is the moment that I'm going to steward. The most important moment of your life is this one that you're in. Let's live in this moment. Let's expect something as we lean into God. Amen? All right. Set apart. There is no other. 
Father, we call on your name. Because you are holy. Holy is your name. Set apart. Unlike any other. Father, we pray (laughs) that the world will know that you are not a God that lies. You are not a God like the idols that are blind and deaf, cannot see or hear or work. Make your holy name known in all the earth. That the nations would know there is none like you. The nemesis of God throughout the Old Testament was always idolatry because it's an affront to God that he would be confused with any other created being. And the, the literal meaning of the word holy is other than. Other than. Whatever you think of, other than. Whatever you can imagine, other than. He is beyond imagination. And what he's longing is to bring a people into the revelation of other than. So, Father, we pray. Thank you, God, that you are not allowing us to settle into a human version of yourself. You're not allowing us to settle even into an ideal idea of who you are. You are other than even that. So, Father, we say, give us grace today to know who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you are doing in the earth. God, we we say, Lord, what you're doing is so amazing. Help us, I pray, Father, to lean into, Lord, what you've already provided for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, I felt this morning like I was going to talk about the theme of uh, be holy. You know, it it says, be holy as I am holy. And we're going to look at the verse in a second, but... But, you know, it touches on the idea of law and grace. And there's a lot of confusion today about what law and grace are. You know, what does it mean to be uh, under law? What does it mean to under grace? We're going to try and touch on some of that. But, but as I begin here, I want, I want to isolate something. And this may be a little bit, you know, some of you may struggle to get this idea. But one of the things that frustrated me as a young believer is I kept reading through the Bible and reading what the apostles wrote and I started to see that there was this pattern that the, the apostles always talked in absolutes, in, in uh, you know, sort of extremes. And, you know, John in particular was really tough. And he said, 
He said something like this. He said, the one who is born from above cannot sin. Cannot sin. Not does not, not is not inclined to, not would prefer not to, does not. Does not. I think, man, that's like, like, you know, I mean, I'm here as a young Christian. I'm worshiping God. I'm in, I'm in Bible school. And I, you know, there are things that I struggle with. And so, so I, I look at that and I think, well, what, I am, what am I then? You know, am I... Am I, am I born of God? Because, you know, I'm, you know, my track record is a little spotty. Anybody identify with a, a track record that's a little bit spotty? <laughs> and so you have this element where you have this absolute language riddled throughout, you know, the, 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 the theology of what it means to be a Christian. But on the other hand, you also have this idea of certain gradual increase. So, but I, I read it, I think, well, which is it? You know, is it, is it meant to be gradual? Because we're going from glory to glory. If it's going from glory to glory, why does the apostle Paul, you know, John and other ones at different times start to talk in these, uh, this absolute language. Whatsoever's born of God overcomes the world. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. The world's, you know, sometimes overcoming me. I'm getting overwhelmed, you know. Like, how do I, how do I be this, this version, this absolute version of what you want, God? How do I do that? So I'm not going to answer that question this morning. <laughs> no, no, I sort of, sort of I'm going to answer it. But, but I, I won't alleviate the tension for you. Because the tension is purposeful. God has us living in a tension so that we don't... Well, I can't even explain and I don't even try to explain why that is right now. Except that there is this tension. Now, today when we were worshiping and we were talking about... Uh, you know, there's a song about... You know, I, I was about something about God will not leave us or, you know, kind of thing. And I thought, well, that's a great sentiment. But I began thinking about, again, this absolute language of Jesus. And he said, he said the one who follows me and the ones who do my word, they're like the, the man who built his house on a rock. And when the great storm came, you know, the, the house didn't fall down. And I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, well, this is, this, is the, this is the thing. God, we'd rather God do away with the storms, you know, lessen the storms, limit the storms, you know, because the storms start, seem, start showing us whether we're built on the rock. And, you know, if there was no storms, all of, our, all of our houses would last. But, again, there's this absolute language. The one who's built on the rock, the house that's built on the rock, does not collapse. And I think we live in a world instead where our houses get partially damaged and then we go around feeling better than the people's houses who are more damaged when the wind comes. And, you know, that's a symptom of something, which maybe we'll deal with on, on another day. But this is the idea. This is, the, this is where we want to go. There is an absolute measure of what it means to be a child of God. And when we talk about be holy as I'm holy... God is absolutely demanding and calling for you to be something that you cannot 
ever possibly be in your own strength. And how we resolve that in our hearts is the big tension. So let's, let's talk about it and let's explore some of these things if we can. I don't know if I'm going to get through everything today. All right, first of all, let me say, Jesus set the bar higher, not lower. Okay, when Jesus came, you know, to a people, he said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And people started coming around, oh, this is so great, because, you know, we're trying to do all this stuff, you know, and we're, 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 we're trying to be good, and we have a hard time being good, and, you know, you're going to liberate us from this need to be good, right? He said, uh, no, I'm going to raise the bar. Oh, I thought you were going to liberate us by lowering the bar. I thought you were going to liberate us by saying, you know, that, that law stuff, that whole Old Testament stuff, all that stuff, the do's and don'ts of what you should be and shouldn't be. I'm just going to make that a non-issue for you. And that way you're going to be free. And he said, oh, no, no, you misunderstand. You misunderstand. I'm not, I haven't come to, to, uh, to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law. I've come to establish the law. Yeah, but my yoke is hard and heavy. And my burden is heavy. And, and I, I want a lighter burden. And you, you're saying you're going to raise the bar. What? How does that work? You just said, come to me all you that are struggling. And I'm going to give you rest. Need some rest. This is going to be great. Take this yoke off of me. Okay, well, here's my version, he says. You've heard that it was said of old. This is Matthew 5, 21. I'm sure you've already memorized it. You've heard that it was said of, of, to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Well, forget about that. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. What? How is this easier? How is this lighter? How, how? It seems to me that you've increased the weight of the obligation upon me. You have not lessened it. Bar? Old Testament? Bar? Jesus bar. Doesn't seem like a contradiction. I'm going to give you rest. It's going to be easier. Oh, hallelujah. And instead, he makes it harder. What is that about? Well, he's not even done there. If you go a little bit further in the same passage, Matthew 5, verse 27 20, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. It's like, what? Are you serious? Are you serious? I mean, the adulterers were the ones that were stoned and killed. And your version of making my burden easy is saying that even if I look and imagine and eh, I'm deserving of that but where's the lightness where's the easy burden where, where is it does that, does that strike you as a little contradictory it isn't of course right 
Let me be clear, it isn't contradictory, but the way we think about it is the problem. The way we, we think about our, our, our duties, our roles, our significance, our glory, uh, the changes, what it means to be a Christian, all of that has been skewed by a paradigm that God is abolishing. And it's the paradigm that God is abolishing where we have our misunderstanding. Nevertheless, we still, we still come back to the same thing. Every time, every time you know, I, I hear this all the time. People saying, you know, when you, when you, well, people are struggling and what they need is mercy. You know, what they need is mercy. Tell them it's going to be all right. They're, they're struggling. They're trying to be good Christians and, and they're failing. Tell them it's going to be all right. And I, no, it's not. Sin erodes. Sin is caustic to the soul of man. Sin destroys the soul of man. And so, let me give you a little snapshot where we're going. It's not the question of, uh, it's the question of, the, of a different solution. What we're looking for is a different solution. Because the solution of you being better, you've tried to do, and the reason why you want to eliminate the standard is because it's impossible. And Jesus is saying, no, that's the point. You can't do this. In other words, to do it, you're going to need something else. You're going to need something other than what you have now. Because when, when Jesus is looking at the whole panorama of the Jewish world, you've you got you know, the publicans and the sinners and the prostitutes and all those people on the bottom end. And you've got all the intelligent, you know, well, emotionally well-adjusted people. They're, they're, they're stable families. They weren't brought up in divorces. They have reasonable parents who love them and have sort of made their souls healthy enough that they can muster a pretty good impression of what it means to be good. You got this whole panorama, and Jesus is saying, Listen, all of you are lost. From the best to the worst, you're all lost. That the that the standard that God has determined for you is other than all of this. For the ones that are feeling based on that system, it's like great news. I knew there was something wrong with this problem, this system. I can't consistently be losing like this. The stack, of the deck is stacked against me. Okay, so what's the new system? You know, you're going to abolish all of those requirements? No, 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 I'm, I'm going to increase them. This is not what I thought. Wow. So, where does that, where does that leave us? He's saying, listen... I want to bring you into a different paradigm. So let me, let me talk about this different paradigm. There's two verses that uh, are significant here. I got the other one here somewhere, but it is uh, in first Matthew 5:48. actually right at the end of this, this dialogue, this Jesus is sharing, he's saying he's saying, you know, okay, if you, if you murder, okay, that's fine. If you have anger. That's just as bad. If you commit adultery, that's bad. If you even lust, that's even just as bad. And then he finishes with this. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. 
you just see the the hope, the blood draining from their faces. Okay, how do we do that? Well, what is the meaning of that word when he says perfect? And this is where we bring in this idea. The kingdom of God is all about sources. The kingdom of God, and the reason why the language is so absolute, it's because it's all about sources. Where are you getting your strength from? So the reason why Jesus raised the bar is because the bar can be as high as you want. And if the source of your strength changes to something equal to that, then it's not a problem. But if you continue with the same source of strength, then you have an even bigger problem. Is that clear? I mean, Jesus is saying, listen, I've come to give you rest, but I've not come to give you rest by saying you don't need to do anything. I'm coming to give you rest by saying you need to do more, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is this. I am going to connect you to a source of power that enables you to do that and more. At the end of the day, the kingdom of God is not about be better. It's about be connected. Oh, man. The kingdom of God, and we are, we are getting to this place, we're starting to realize, it's because, because those of us who, you know, it's amazing. I remember when I had a lot of ambition, and it's amazing how, how nice you can be when you have ambition. It's not, you know, you get around the boss, the person who can promote you, the person who can, who can do all the things you want to be done for you and the company, and all this. It's amazing how your attitude shifts around the president you know, you were just yelling at a, a co-worker and telling him he was such a jerk and everything. And now it's like, hey, how you doing? He's just so glad to be working here. This is a great company. I love this place. Where did that enthusiasm and energy come from? Because just five minutes earlier when you were doing your job and complaining about how much you hated this job, that energy was not there. Now it's there. The source of that energy is you. What I can get. What I need what others can give me. And so you, you draw from ambition a certain amount of power to do the thing that is required in the moment. And some people think that that's what Christianity is, that Christianity is if you only understood what God requires and the rewards he can give you, then you'll have the internal energy to do what's supposed to by a system of rewards and punishments. If we convince you enough that the punishment is not what you want, and we convince you enough that reward is what you want, then you can harness yourself and live up to the measure of the standard that's required. Some of us think that that's what Christianity is, and it isn't. So that is still the other. That's, that's what came into being in Genesis when the tree of death and the tree of life was in the garden and Adam and Eve came and and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they thought, man, if we just eat of this tree, and that tree solidified an orientation around my own strength and caused me to catalyze activity out of ambition. And then I began to bring forth good and bad. See, the kingdom of God is not about a better version of that or, or you now succeeding, so you're only bringing forth good fruit. 
Because he said, if you eat of this tree, you'll die. So whether it's the blue fruit or the red fruit, it's death. This tree, all the fruit of this tree is death. But out of that tree, out of human strength, can come forms of goodness. Are you a good Christian? Absolutely. Watch me worship. Well, God is saying, listen, right now you're living out of a certain source. I'm going to transfer you to another source. And the evidence that the transfer was successful, the evidence that you're drawing from this source instead of this one is this fruit. So here's what happens. Here's, let me lay it out for you. So gradually, over time, because we've got these two sources we can drink from, and we're disposed to drink from this one. That's our bent. That's our default setting. And so this one is made available, but this one is its mysterious. It's invisible. It's in a realm that my soul doesn't connect to, only my spirit. But what does my spirit feel like? And how do I know... I'm connecting with my spirit versus my soul. I know how to feel. I know how to think. I know how to will myself to do something. That's this thing, and that comes natural. I know how to do that. But this one's available, but I don't really know how to drink from that one. I don't know how to pull strength from that one. And so the whole journey is, which one are you drawing from, and can you increasingly draw only from this one and less and less from this one? This is what John the Baptist was saying when he said, And what he meant when he said, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. That at the core of my life, what is changing over time is I'm drinking less and less from this fountain and drinking more and more from this fountain. And the evidence that I'm drinking from this fountain is whatever comes out of this fountain overcomes the world. Whatever comes out of this one, less than. And that's why... When he says, be holy as I'm holy, be perfect as I'm perfect. He said, if you drink exclusively from this fountain, when this fountain becomes the the full expression of your life, that you never ever drink or pull from this one, everything you do is of a quality that is other than everything you did before. So the reason why the Bible talks in these absolute language is because the fruit and the promise that has been given to you is absolute. But we'd rather live in sort of this thing, well, you know, God knows I'm imperfect and and he's given me mercy. Mercy is forgiveness. Mercy is, I'm not going to destroy you, though you deserve to be destroyed, but mercy is not the same as grace. Grace is power. Grace is the ability to do the thing that was commanded. Mercy is absolution in the face of not doing it. You can live in mercy or you can lean into grace. The difficulty with leaning into grace and away from mercy is you have to come face to face with your track record. You have to be willing to be scrutinized by the ultimate measure. Does this overcome the world? No, but it's really good as opposed to everything I've done before. Yeah, no good. God thinks in terms of absolute. What's born of heaven overcomes the earth. 
Wow, is right. Well, why is this important for us? Because I feel like we are, we are tapping in to a whole other level of the grace of God. I feel, you know, I know it's true in my life, and we are attacking this individually, but as an aggregate, as the church, as a whole in the earth, the church is leaning into the grace of God today like never before. And so, getting back to our definition of this new paradigm, be perfect, be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect, that word perfect doesn't mean Excellent in that sense, it means complete. It means finished. So when he's saying be perfect, he's saying be finished, be complete, be full, finished. That which has reached its end, its term, its limit, it's complete, it's full, wanting in nothing. How do I get there? Well, think of it this way. When you became born again, Peter said this, you were born again by the eternal seed of the word of God. If you go to 1 Peter where he talks about that, about being born again, he says, he talks about that which does not perish. Listen, there's there's something in the life of God that is enduring. And that's why all of the qualities that God is looking for and what we're longing for, because people get mad at me sometimes, because I keep saying, listen, there's a better version of this. Why? Why is it you're never satisfied, Mark? Because I'm going from glory to glory. And just when I think, man, oh, every, the Christianity I have right now, there's, there's such an ease and there's, there's such a grace in it. And I feel so much at rest as compared to before. And the Lord says, that's great. It's great that you discovered that. But guess what? The version I have for you is other than that. That's great. But there's something even better. Well, how does he do that? He makes me tired of the version that I have, and he starts to show me how incomplete it is, how imperfect it is. And you're grateful that you've come into something that's better than what you had before, but then once you've gotten over the celebration of this new level, woohoo! then you start to say, well, you know, it's great and everything, but I feel like God is requiring more. Now, if you're of the mindset that you're stuck in the law, then it's like, it's like, oh, you're never satisfied. Nothing's ever good enough for you. Now, I'm not talking about marriages here. But that seed that he planted inside of you has the DNA of the image of God. The seed of the word of God. See, again, the mentality of works, the mentality of legalism, the mentality of religious flesh is is the good that's required of me I must produce via strength. You know, it's like, oh, man, I'm trying to obey as much as I can. Well, if you're just trying to obey and you're not actually obeying, then you're doing it wrong. Because what's born of God just overcomes the world. It's automatic. Because it's not just a stronger version of effort. It's of another kind. It just wins. It's like the light when you turn it on. When you turn on the light, you know, light, boom, darkness is gone. Turn it off, darkness is gone. Turn it on. Can you hear the conflict? Can you hear the struggle? 
as light brings again, man, so are the essence of light makes darkness impossible. God is trying to say, listen, the paradigm of the kingdom of God is not about is not about your effort to be light. It is about something flowing through you that is light. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the revelation of the power of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what it means to be born again, of what it means to have the life and the power of heaven flowing through us. You see, when you start to really understand that it's Christ in me that is the hope of glory, then you stop trying to be like him. And you just yield to the manifestation of him. Oh, that's a lot of gobbledygook, somebody says. That's a lot of, you know, verbal gymnastics. No, it isn't. It's only verbal gymnastics if you don't understand it. Ah, well, can't we just hope that it gets better? No. 1 Peter 1, verse 13, where Jesus, or Peter is saying, Be holy as I am holy. The word for holy is the word Kadesh. And it literally means, as I said, not only set apart, but something other than. One of the, I remember when uh, I was mystified this by this for years because I was, I was thinking about Moses and how faithful Moses was to God. And, they, you know, he's leading this people that are murmuring and complaining all the time and failing. And then they come to this place for a second time where they have no water. You remember that time? And Moses gets, he's annoyed at the people. And God says to him very specifically, he said, you go and you speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, water is going to be poured out of it. And I don't know what happened in Moses' mind exactly. But clearly he was frustrated. But instead of speaking to the rock, he go and strikes the rock, which he did last time. And God was angry with Moses. Remember that? God was angry and said, this is what he said, why did you not sanctify me as holy before the people? And I'm thinking, man, that's, and he didn't enter the promised land because of that. What was God looking for in that moment? What was, what was the intention of God really? He said, listen, you didn't sanctify me and the, re- the way you didn't sanctify me, and this, this is going to hit some of our religious ideals, right? The way you didn't sanctify me was I wanted you to be unprecedented in this moment because I'm unprecedented. I wanted you to do something that has never been done before. Uh, you already did it that way where you struck the rock. And it's not like God doesn't ever do anything the same, but he was setting a template with Israel at this time for, that has survived to this day. He's, he's setting a, a sort of a plumb line of what this is really about. This whole journey, what it's really about. It is about displaying God as being other than anything. And so what Moses did, you did not display me as something than other than the people would have expected. And I wanted you to speak because last time you did it, have you ever noticed that we always try to go back to the way it was before? Man, we had that great Sunday. 
you know, maybe the key to this Sunday's breakthrough is if we sing that song that we were singing last week when this... And it doesn't mean we have to sing new songs every week. But the point is this. God wants our reliance to not be on methodology. This is not voodoo. He wants our reliance to be on him. So Father, in Jesus' name, release us. Okay. Let's move on. So let me ask you the question here. I'm going to quickly touch on this idea of of, uh, law and grace. Are you under law or are you under grace? Are you, well, of course, everybody said, well, no, I'm under grace. Do you know that's not the language and the way they use it in the Bible? Under law and under grace is not what you say you are. If you are under grace, let me, let me put it out there. If you are actually under grace, then you have no sin. If you are under law, then sin materializes in your life. So saying I'm under grace and under law is not a contract you've signed with somebody. Hey, you can't send me to hell because I'm under grace. I got my contract. It's not the idea. It's not a legal thing here. It's about evidences. Law and grace, sin and no sin, are evidences of what fountain you're drinking from. If you're drinking from this fountain that is law, then sin materializes in your life. If you're drinking from this one, then everything other materializes in your life. So the idea of the presence of sin or the absence of sin, it's, it's not about endorsements. It's not about proving legally or saying or escaping the consequences of sin. It's about evidence of which, which one you're actually drinking from. I mean, this is important because God is not saying, yeah, if you keep drinking from that law thing, I'm going to... No, no, that's not what God... God is saying instead, listen, I have a fountain for you, and if you drink from this fountain, you get da-da-da-da-da-da. If you drink from this one, you get da-da-da-da-da. So he's, he's lovingly trying to coax us over to this one. So then when we drink of this one and we produce, he's not, yeah, I told you, you stupid Christian. <laughs> he's saying, yeah, grow tired of this and want this one more. Not your bad. And if you only knew how mad I am, then you would be in a better position to drink from this one. That's not, the, that's not the paradigm that he's operating by. That's the paradigm we think by. Well, how do I know which one I'm drinking from? How do I know which mindset I have? Let me ask you a question. When a pastor like me, or an apostle or a prophet, stands in front of you and says, we're going here, and we start talking about some overcoming, some higher level of Christianity... How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like, oh, I'm just barely doing this, and now you want me to do this? Does it discourage you? Does it make you feel like less of a Christian? Does it disillusion you? Does it make you feel hopeless? See, we would, we would like to think, well, you are bringing me under legalism by saying that we should be better. 
by calling me higher. No, no, no. When I call you higher, the feelings you get about that will tell you whether you're under grace or law. It doesn't say anything about my call. It tells you what you're drinking from. And if you're overwhelmed, like, oh, I'm barely making it here. You Mercy, will you? Pastors. It's evidence-based. If you're... If your strength is in the Lord, then hope is created and faith is created. That when there's a call to go higher, it, it, something inside of it, it lays hold of the grace that is inside you and kinetically psh, releases glory and strength. If you're still living in the world of effort, it demoralizes you. Because I've already expended all my effort and you, want, you still want more from me? You slave driver. No. Kingdoms. This one brings this. This one brings this. Which one are you drinking and eating from? You tell me. The gospel connects you to another stream. An overcoming stream. A power. An imaginable ability. Now... I'm going to read a couple of scriptures in just a second. I'm trying to make my way over to that. But listen to this. Are you under grace or under law? Listen to this. This is the verse. It's uh, Romans 6. I think it's the right one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Romans 6, 13 to 16. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Okay. Raising the bar there. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and members as instruments of righteousness. A little gobbledygook there. How do you do that? He says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, some people interpret that verse in terms of permission. But because you legally are contractually connected to the kingdom of heaven, sin shall not have dominion over you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen... When you are connected to the power, light manifests. When you connect to the darkness, darkness manifests. So people are connecting to the darkness and saying, but I'm under grace, but I'm under grace, but I'm under grace. So in other words, this doesn't matter. What's what's coming out of my life, what's being manifest, doesn't matter. Because God is a God of grace. No, you misunderstand. Grace and mercy, you're using grace for mercy. God will forgive me, you're saying. Yes, he will. That's mercy. Grace is the power to not be that. Grace is the power to materialize the the nature of the new creation. So, and I'm going to get to another verse here in a second. When you are under law, when your consciousness is in the grip of law, you inadvertently keep manifesting sin. Not because you want to, but because of the nature of the laws at work. And Paul talks about it very specifically. He says, he says, the law takes advantage of me. In other words, the weakness of my condition is such that when I'm under law, it brings forth sin. And so some people are trying to say, so then what I need to do is just convince myself, I'm under grace, I'm under grace, I'm under grace, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. 
grace, 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 grace. Okay, I think I'm there. Go and face the weak. Sin comes out again. Ah, I didn't say it enough times. No, the reality is deeper than your consciousness of sin and righteousness. The reality is in your heart, and it speaks of what power source you're connecting to on a heart level. Let me keep reading. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Seen that mindset around, right? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you're that one's slaves whom you obey? What is he saying there? Just what I said here. When sin is coming out in your life, you're demonstrating the fact that you're actually under sin, but he's bringing a connection between sin and the law. He said, what makes you under sin is that you're under law. Well, I don't want to be there. So don't be. How do I do that? Exactly. (laughs) I feel, I feel the revelation of the kingdom of heaven around grace and law increasing, not only in this room, but in the earth. In the whole earth. The, the apostolic gospel is being made clear, and the, the effect of it is it's going to deliver us an increasing powerful gospel preached in the earth is going to transform the church, is going to transform those that have tried, have been in the church, and who keep saying, just lower the bar. If you'd only lower the bar, if you'd only lessen the requirements, I might be able to make it. No, you're missing the point. Come into this kingdom. It's not about eliminating the law, and later on we're going to see. So it's the, he says, is the law evil? He said, no, the law, is, the law is good. He said, the law is good. Christian, New Testament Christian. The law is good. Because the law helps us see, gives us the clear evidence of which fountain we're drinking from. Let me give you an example here. When I was a kid, my dad was very anal. This is a hard thing to say about brushing your teeth. He's very anal about brushing our teeth and how much we brush them. And You know, we dreaded. Every time we'd brush our teeth, we'd say, did you brush your teeth? Yes. Let me see. Oh. <laughs> and you're hoping you did it enough, but you know, you did it in like five seconds. So it's like, you know, because you hate brushing your teeth. You've got cartoons to get back to. You know, and so... And so he had this system here where, where he would check out our teeth. And of course, you know, he, we got scolded if our teeth, there's still stuff there. There's hot dogs in there and whatever. <laughs> well, that was bad. That was really bad. But then one day he comes home with these little red pills. He says, he says I've got this thing going on here. So I want you to go brush your teeth. And then, and then we're going to wash your mouth with this red pilly stuff. And all the places where the, the debris remains are going to stand out. I'm already feeling under the old system. <laughs> and now you're bringing an even higher level of accountability. See, the red stuff is not there to say, we always interpret it in terms of good or bad. Oh, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. Because that's emotionally and, you know, how human, human beings work. But this is like the law. He said, he said, all the places in your life where you are under law, they become, they stand out 
And the evidence is sin. All of a sudden you start seeing the red lines where you missed brushing your teeth. The law makes that clear. So you can say, try harder. No, unless that's where you live and that's all you know. And some of us, that's what we hear. When we start talking about fasting, fasting, more prayer, come to church three times a week. I'm barely doing what I can. Then get more power. The, the power of obligation is not enough to be the new creation. So you think because you work under the power of obligation that let's eliminate obligation, then I'll feel better. No, no, no. We don't eliminate the law. We don't eliminate, eliminate obligation. That's the, apparently the new grace message. It's not the old grace message. It's not the biblical grace message. The biblical grace message is I'm raising the bar so it's clear you could never do it. So, because in, other, in, in order to do it, I, I make the, the requirement so high, your heart couldn't possibly go to try harder. And what do our hearts do? They go to try harder. And then we'll find some way to justify or make ourselves believe that we're actually meeting the requirement. You say, no, that, that's, the tr- that's religion. That whole system is religion. I'm trying to transfer you out of a system into resurrection life. All the places you feel guilt, all the places you feel shame, all the places you think, i got to try harder, I, I, I don't want to miss God. And all of that feeling is the evidence you're under law. And there are always measures of both at work in our lives. That's why we are decreasing, he's increasing, because we're going more and more and more to dependency on law, to dependency on actual grace. We're going from death to life, grave to resurrection. So this is what he says. Hopefully you can read Romans with a whole new set of eyes. And I've gone over my time. But let me quickly try and finish this. It says, so shall we sin then? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you give? You present yourself slaves to obey, obey that one slave you are, the ones you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Again, Let me read this one verse. It's from Romans 7. It says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. The reason why the law is good is the law. The law is is an indicator. It's evidence. It's basically a rule of thumb. It says, when you didn't brush your teeth, there's, there's, there's plaque still in your mouth, and the red stuff on your teeth shows you where the plaque is. The law makes the plaque visible. The law, see, uh, I'm, I'm sinning, I have lust, I have adultery in my heart, I have murder, but it's all hidden, but the law makes it evident. Not to say bad, 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 bad person, but to say, come over. Come over. There is power. Deep in our hearts, and I'm going to wrap it up here. Deep in our hearts, we lean to the strength of flesh, to the power of God, for every circumstance, 
for every perceived requirement, right or wrong, we are leaning into the one or the other. The answer is not remove the evidence because I'm under grace. The the answer isn't mercy, though mercy is always there because you're going to keep failing. The mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Fresh track, clean slate, every morning. But then you're starting. But the goal is not, oh, I don't want to do anything bad. I don't want to do anything. It's, I want to lean into you, God. In you, I live and move and have my being. I worship you. Everything within me is drawing near to you because, because the light of your presence breathes upon me the freshness of life. And in your presence, I just begin to materialize good thoughts. I just... Good desires germinate and grow and thrive and blossom as I lean. We want a lifestyle that leans toward him. So, Father, today, I pray (laughs) that the mystery of godliness, the hope of glory, Christ in us, would become clearer to us, that we would begin to see that the absolute language of Scripture is the paradigm of two kingdoms. Father, we want to manifest what overcomes the world. And we will stop at nothing less than that. Uh, The blood of Jesus and the mercy of God are there to heal, to reverse, to, to cleanse you from all guilt and shame. But faith gives you the courage to look into the mirror every day and lean into it. More of you, Lord, less of me. More of you, Lord, less of me. Less of my old nature and more of the new nature. Less of the old nature, more of the new nature. That yoke, when you lean into it, that yoke is easy because you're tapping into a power that's more than your will, more than your guilty feelings more than the threat of punishment. Those things are so short-lived in their power to motivate. The love of God, the power of God, the resurrection life, it's right there, right there, right there. So Lord, let our hearts be touched by this infinite grace that changes our desires. You know, and some of you are sitting here thinking, well, my problem is I, I want all the wrong things. That life changes what you want. It doesn't just say, don't want those things. It changes what you want. Lean in. Holy Spirit. So there might be people here today, and for you this is all new, this whole thing of the kingdom of God and Jesus. I hope it's clearer to you today, but God is inviting us today to become born again. And the born-again experience is simply getting connected to the source of resurrection life. If you want to get connected to the source of resurrection life, just close your eyes. And let's close our eyes right now. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I want resurrection life. I'm so tired of being bad. I'm tired of trying to be good. 
I want to connect to your life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus died. I believe he paid for my sin. I believe he rose again the third day. Come into my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Chris, why don't you come? Well, we're going to close. Uh, uh, you know, I want to encourage you. If uh, you know, you're not sure where you should be reading right now in your Bible, I, I think read through Romans. I mean, there's so much more in there that I, I know Pastor Mark could have just kept going and going and going and going and going and going because there's so much in there just about our journey and our faith. And uh, I just want to close with this because, you know, uh, in chapter 8, it, it talks about living in the Spirit. And God has given us a gift that gets to help us along this journey. And we need to be thankful for that gift. And it says this. I'll just start in verse 12 just because of the sake of time. But it says, Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you keep on following it, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it, in its evil deeds you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are his children. Right? Why don't we stand to our feet? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into the house of God. And Father, we just want to say you're a good God. We give glory to your name. And in this moment, I pray that you would fill each and every one of us in this room with your Holy Spirit. You have given us a gift. You have given us the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to guide us, to lead us. And we ask that you would fill each and every one of us up with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And Father, I pray for each one in this room, regardless of where they're at in their journey, whether they're in a place where they're struggling or whether they're in a place where their faith is high, Today, Father, that we would just desire to pursue you more because there is more, as Pastor Mark said. And so, Father, I pray for a blessing on each one. I pray healing for those that need healing. I pray for a breakthrough for those who need a breakthrough. And, Father, for those that are higher in their faith, take them higher in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we give you glory in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen.